Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is sponsored by the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast. Victor Miller, who wrote the classic movie Friday the 13th, refers to Steve Hudgens as a horror meister to reckon with. Who is Steve Hudgens? Why, he's just your friendly neighbourhood maniac on the loose. He's a psycho behind the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast. He writes the stories and narrates them. New episodes are released every single week. Want to listen to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast? That's easy. It's available on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. Find out more at www.maniacontheloose.com Today's episode is Church of the Chronically Ill. Written by Brendan Vedito and narrated by Grant Patrizio. My mother stands under the dusty ceiling fixture, pale and cadaverous, a gummy smile pulling at the leather-tight skin of her cheeks. Bathed in incandescent orange like a third-rate angel, she extends her hand and beckons with trembling fingers. I stand in painful increments, using my chair as leverage, and shuffle toward the podium. The crowded basement resounds with the discordant clapping of the other church members. She welcomes me in a fragile embrace. You look so handsome, she whispers and kisses my cheek. When I pull away, the glow of the ceiling lamp has expanded the dark circles under her eyes, turning the sockets into pools. 
each with a dim speck of light. Are you ready? I nod. Holding my shoulders, she turns me around to face the room. Anxiously, I adjust the knot in my tie, which hangs loosely around my neck like an untightened noose. The basement, with its yellow, cigarette-stained walls, has been outfitted for the occasion. The plastic chairs are filled with parishioners, all familiar, unhealthy faces. The garbage bags stapled to the window frames are still present, but the surrounding walls are now decorated with cardboard cutouts of cartoon animals, with bandages and thermometers sticking out of their mouths, a menagerie stolen from countless get-well cards. Above the snack table, with its wrinkled plastic tablecloth, the word birthday has been excised from a happy birthday banner, replaced by hand-cut cardboard letters reading, Diagnosis Day. What draws my attention the most, however, is a dessert tray with an opaque plastic dome. I believe my mother received it as a wedding present. Throughout my childhood and teenage years, it sat atop the kitchen cabinets, collecting dust until it was brought down for birthdays and, more infrequently, occasions like today. It rises conspicuously above the bowls of snacks and towers of plates, watching me like some predator waiting to strike. I know what it contains. I can almost taste it. My stomach flutters in nervous anticipation. My mouth waters. Its presence, so conspicuous it feels like a physical weight, marks the end of my existence as a healthy, prosperous young adult. At the thought, I am overcome with a confusing blend of fear and anticipation. I take a deep breath through my nose, odors of mold and dampness, and let it out in a rush. I begin to speak. My voice sounds strange, even in my own ears. Softer, frail, and slightly tremulous. It reminds me of my mother's feeble tone. Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight, I say, wringing my clammy hands together. It means so much to see you on this... I hesitate. Important day. As most of you know, my mother was blessed with a debilitating immune disorder when she was 32 years old. Her condition was hereditary, and I have since received her benediction. The words came effortlessly, like an oft-recited prayer. The parishioners break into another round of dissonant applause. Thank you, I mumble. My symptoms manifested over a year ago. My immune system betrayed me, assaulting healthy cells and organs, leading to chronic pain, lethargy, and uncoordinated movement. How many times have I spoken these words to doctors, to family, to friends? These words have become my identity. Now, after all this time, I have received a formal diagnosis. More applause. I would like to take this opportunity to thank my mother, who has given me this blessing, introduced me to the church, and taught me that I am stronger through my illness. I finish with a humble nod, and the parishioners answer with another spat of applause. The sound rings unpleasantly in my ears. Among the crowd, I pick out Jonah Berenger, the hemophiliac. Beside him, Anne McKee, in the latter stages of leukemia. 
weakly claps her hands together. Near the back of the congregation, Peter Cordello and his daughter Becca, both afflicted with a rare genetic disorder, lean into one another and beam in my direction. I remember each of their Diagnosis Day celebrations. Becca's was the latest, a warm, intimate affair her father had eagerly anticipated since the moment he conceived Becca with another member of the church, now deceased. Their union was engineered by the church with the sole intent of producing an heir to Peter's genetic blessing. Unlike myself, diagnosed at 16, all Becca knew was illness. My ruminations are cut short when my mother stifles a sob and pulls me in for another embrace. She smells of sweat and disinfectant. I am so proud of you, she says. Our family is stronger than ever, united in sickness. A chair squeaks in the sea of parishioners. The founder of the church, Dr. Gregory Thornton, rises like a corpse from a long-dug grave. The cane, crafted from wood and animal bone, sways in his grip. The few patches of thin, silver hair on his mottled scalp hang like cobwebs over his brow and ears. He smiles, his teeth mostly rotted away, at my mother and me, and we advance toward him. His lips on my forehead are dry and brittle. We take a seat as our leader limps toward the podium, cane clicking on the laminate floor. Good afternoon, my fellow afflicted, he intones. Good afternoon, Dr. Thornton, we answer in one voice. Today, he continues, we celebrate the diagnosis of one of our newest members, Cameron Beatty. Cameron has inherited the blessing of his mother, Eleanor, and we now officially welcome him into the fold. Let us hang our heads and thank our biological benefactors for our good fortune. I bow my head along with the other parishioners. Unlike them, however, I keep my eyes open, staring at my loose-fitting khakis and scuffed leather shoes. Shoes once belonging to my father. If the blessing had not consumed him, he would be sitting beside me now, bowing his head in appreciation. Even today, I'm uncertain how to feel about his passing. Is my father indeed a martyr, as the church dictates? Or is he simply dead? Sickness, I, I mean, the blessing. Only meaningful when it can thrive in living flesh. Either way, I miss him. I remember his diagnosis day, more vividly than the others. The cancer had hollowed him out whittling his features into sharp points and shadow-haunted grooves. Despite this, however, he was still smiling, the blessing coursing through his veins, a cluster of pale crumbs on the corner of his mouth. It is delicious, he said, laughing. Then, to the room, exactly what I expect from my beautiful wife. The air around him smelled of vanilla and a sickly sweet stench, like rotting fruit. He barely had the energy to chew or keep his eyes open. Dr. Thornton breaks the silence. 
Life is inherently meaningless, he says, words familiar to everyone seated in the basement of his dilapidated bungalow. The only constant is suffering, but suffering is hierarchical. Several parishioners nod their heads and rub their hands together. At the bottom of the hierarchy stand those who suffer through unsatisfying work conditions, poor finances, or interpersonal problem. At the pinnacle resides mental or bodily illness. For in a world defined by fear and suffering, illness gives you purpose. Illness makes you stronger. The crowd gasps and claps quietly. It sounds like a flock of pigeons taking flight. You become one of the chosen, Dr. Thornton says. Through the ravages of disease, you discover the value of life. You are blessed. You are more privileged than your healthy brothers and sisters. You transcend through illness. The parishioners erupt into a standing ovation momentarily forgetting their infirmities to give praise to their shepherd. My mother smiles in my direction as we stand and clap. She has long waited for this day, the day her son would attain enlightenment. I like to think I share her enthusiasm, but something is out of place. If chronic illness is the cure for fear and suffering, then why am I still afraid? Why is the pain coursing through my body a burden and not a source of ecstasy? Why do my thoughts keep returning to my father? You are all familiar with the manifesto by now, says Dr. Thornton. But it bears repeating as we usher Cameron into the fold. And speaking of Cameron, I want to point out that he is an aspiring poet. Warmth rises into my face. I bite the inside of my cheek. And as we know, some of the best artists, both past and present, are blessed with disease. It is a wellspring for creative energy, a catalyst for genius. I am certain Cameron will not disappoint our expectations. I taste blood on my tongue. Anyway, that's enough gabbing from an old man. I am sure you are all eager to begin the celebration. But first, as tradition dictates, Eleanor has a surprise for our newest member. My mother groans into a standing position and slouches toward the snack table. She picks up the plastic dome. It's time come at last and carries it toward me. The flow of time grinds to a crawl. The dome grows closer and closer, and my first instinct is to move away. But I am rooted to my seat. The other parishioners watch, as though entranced, and she places it on her now vacant chair and removes the dome to reveal a circular loaf of sweet bread. The Eucharist. Charred fingers creep up from the underside, The knife lying beside it at an angle throws back a warped reflection of my face. For a moment, no longer than a heartbeat, my image fades, replaced by the aspect of my father. It is delicious, he says, chewing with great difficulty. 
He coughs, spraying pale crumbs on his chin and chest. They sprout slender, multi-jointed legs and crawls up his face, swarming him, consuming him, turning his... Doesn't it look delicious? My mother says. She made the bread early this morning while I slept. As she blended the flour, sugar, vanilla, milk, and yeast mixture, she added half a dozen capsules from an amber bottle, a homemade concoction from Dr. Thornton's personal stores. The capsules contained a high dose of immune accelerants, indented to keep me in a state of physical dysfunction. I know this because all members of the church are subject to a similar act of communion, like my mother and father before me. It is no secret. How else are we to benefit from the satisfactions of illness? Medical treatment is never an option. I imagine my mother kneading the dough, breathing hard from the effort. Perspiration glistens along her hairline. She pauses several times to flex her fingers and massage the swollen joints. Over time, the capsules disappear, swallowed and dissolved by the dough like they were never there at all. My mother then places the dough into a pan and slides it into the oven. She leaves the interior light on and watches it rise, feeling the heat from the viewing window palm and caress her face. Now, using her hands, my mother tears off a generous fragment from the finished product. Dr. Thornton appears with a paper plate, and my mother carefully lifts the piece of bread onto it, smiling all the while. I take the fork Dr. Thornton holds out to me, and with my other hand, accept the piece of bread from my mother. It is heavier than I expected. I smell yeast, and though I know it is not possible, a hint of something sharp and medicinal. I glance at my mother and Dr. Thornton. Thank you both for everything, I say. My gaze returns to the bread in my lap and beyond to my scuffed leather shoes. My father's shoes. Ignore the fear. I am blessed. I have transcended through illness. I cut off a piece with my fork, lift it to my mouth, and take a bite. My senses are overcome with a soft-textured sweetness and a tang of sweetness. It melts on my tongue, and I take another bite. It is delicious, I say. And around me, the room comes alive with eager applause. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Church of the Chronically Ill was written by Brendan Vedito, narrated by Grant Patrizio, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course, to Ben Errington for the content pikes, seat drops, and swivel hips he performs each week on the social media Tram Mampoline. Brendan Vedito is the author of the Wonderland Book award-winning collection of body horror stories, Nightmares in Ecstasy. He also co-edited the Splatterpunk Award-nominated anthology The New Flesh, a literary tribute to David Cronenberg. He lives in Ontario, Canada. For more of his work, head over to brendanvedito.com. 
Grant Patrizio has lent his skills to a variety of audiobooks, animated works, video games and audio dramas, one of which got him nominated for an Audioverse Award in 2019. Head over to grantpatrizio.com for more. Get to know your dark side. If you always dreamed of writing short and scary fiction but have never known where to start, or you're the kind of person who has a million rough drafts sitting on their hard drives with no endings, or you're always off in your own world doodling monsters in your mind's eye, wondering how to get those creatures out from your brain and onto the page, our seven-day mini-course might be your next step into the wonderful world of writing short, scary stories. Previous course attendee Tina Friedrich said, I can't say enough good things, I came into the course feeling like I probably just didn't really have the talent to be a writer, and I left feeling inspired and motivated to take the next steps on this journey. So if you'd like to hang with me and best-selling author Daniel Wilcox for a week, where we'll take you through the entire process of writing a short horror story, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash minicourse and sign up today. There are limited spots available. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash minicourse. The Other Stories is a production of Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.